0: Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 261. I'm your host, Barney Smith of Storycomic.com. And we're excited to have with us the highly talented and internationally acclaimed world builder and comic creator, Mata Sorcier. Hi. How's it going?
1: It's it's going. I'm alive and I'm not on fire. So it's a good day.
0: That's true. Yeah. See, that's always that's all that's a great way to actually like start the day and end the day, not being on fire. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. And I'm I watching your previous interviews that you talked about this, about you getting in the depths of like how you do your world building and how you would absolutely, absolutely would not want to be in this world that you've created. Um, <laughs> I love that. Is because other artists and authors are like, oh, I'd love to be. I'd love to be. But you're like, there is no way I would want to be a part no, of the world I'd that never I've created.
1: Survive. I'm also, <laughs> I'm so like, I'm so boring. I will admit it that like, if if I was like transported into a video game world or something i would not be the hero i'd be the like the little npc off to the side like you know selling you like bread rolls to heal yourself and stuff like i (laughs) i do not want action i do not want adventure i do not want to fight things like fantasy worlds are horrifying there's magic there's creatures there's just too many things can go wrong
0: talk to us a little bit about Sacrimony. And, and this has been a progress that you've been working on this. You've been working on this story for well on two decades now.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Since I was like, it's early beginnings was when I was like a little 12 year old. So my God, Mm. that was like 26 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's just been sitting in my head and like, there were times where I thought that like, oh, you know, I'm going to grow out of this, I'm going to get like a real adult job. And then, you know, it just kept like creeping back in every so often, like, hey, remember me? I'm that cool story idea that you had. And then I was like, real adult jobs suck. Maybe I should just do comics.
0: Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about just uh, the the world that you've created in Sacramony.
1: But yeah, it, it's basically a world where the gods are like jerks. If you imagine kind of like the worst of like Greek mythology or like Egyptian mythology, stuff like that, like a world where the gods do interact with the mortals and like the gods themselves have their own sort of like dysfunctional family setup that it kind of ends up affecting the mortals. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens is the main plot of the story is that a teenage girl died, but then she got better, and basically there's a catch that she came back to life with, like, uh, demon wings, no memory of her past, magical powers, and she and her mom have to deal with that now. And they have a really strained dynamic because uh, Kajad, the girl's father, was, like, not a great person. Mm -hmm. So the mother, Unica, like, you know, she's had that She's basically a domestic abuse survivor, and she is stuck with a kid that she never particularly wanted that also now has these demon wings. So it's just sort of that extra layer of like, I don't want to be in the situation. I've already kind of like mentally checked out, but like I have a conscience. I can't leave this kid behind in the cold. So I guess I have to take her with me because like none of this is her fault. Mm. So, yeah, it's a it's a drama story that it's not about like action adventure or who can like punch the hardest or whatever. It's more about like, you know, family and friendship, just getting through being dealt a bad hand in life. Like a lot of people say that it feels kind of like Saga, like how Saga is more about, you know, family relationships and like, you know, character building more so than just like, oh, hey, let's go fight and save the world.
0: This for the, the first chapter that you put out is did you rewrite this since your first uh iteration of it?
1: You did your homework, yes, I did. <laughs> I rewrote it and I redrew it because I had tried to release a, a graphic novel version of the full chapter one like back in 2017. I mean, it didn't do very well because I didn't know how to build an audience back then, but also it was just like the art and the writing were really rough. I didn't re- mm. like, I was working with. Media that I was like, I hadn't practiced with. Like, I wasn't very great with digital coloring. I was trying to use like a type of of uh, inking tools and stuff that like I wasn't like I I didn't have the technical skill to do the things that I wanted to do. I had a hard time figuring out what I needed to do. I second-guessed myself a lot and I held back because I was like, you know, people want a comic where like things are like fast-paced and you know, like a lot of things are going on and I can't like slow down and explore the characters because people want to move the story forward. And it turns out like that's not what people want. People want to get to know the characters. They want mm. to slow down. They want to like, you know, see these very organic conversations where like the characters feel like people like the, the main focus is the characters and not like the plot that's happening in the background. So like. For the, from the people who read the original version and, like, the webcomic and stuff back in the day and, like, you know, reading this new updated version that I did now, it's like they're like, yes, you absolutely made the right decision. Before I went through with it, though, like, people did look at me like I was crazy, like, oh, you're rebooting your series? Like, why would you do that? You know, because everyone's so used to mainstream comics always rebooting and rebooting and rebooting. Right. And they thought that was like the cycle that I was going to get caught up in. But I was just like, no, I absolutely know that I need to start like all the way from the beginning again and like do the story justice.
0: Right. And and, and from that perspective, how, how did you see like your your storytelling and your artwork evolve?
1: Uh, I mean, like the m- more that you draw, basically, the better you get. So like I actually did almost like 300 pages of the story before I decided to restart So, like, by the time I got to page 300, looking at page 300 versus looking at the old page one, I was, like, I need to do something that, like, reflects what I'm capable of doing now. And also, my writing had gotten a lot better because I started to figure out, like, what I needed to do versus what I thought people wanted. Hmm. So, I stopped second-guessing myself. I just, like, I practiced, I got better at drawing, and I was able to, like, Pull off something that I'm super proud of and will never redo ever again in my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is this pencil to paper or is this digital? How did you how do you do this?
1: I jump around a lot, actually, like sometimes like I definitely do the thumbnails digitally because like I have problems with spatial recognition and scaling and stuff. So doing the thumbnails digitally lets me like resize things really quickly and like drag them around and move them. And then, like, if I feel like it, I'll do the pencils in actual pencil or I'll do them digitally. Uh, Colors are also they're done digitally. But I think from now on, I'm going to do them traditionally, which I know is kind of like a bonkers thing to do. But like I got tired of doing digital. I felt like I felt more like a machine than an artist, because, you know, when you start to find all of these shortcuts to do things quicker and quicker, there's like more of a disconnect. So Great. I'm like, I'm going to slow down and just like from issue six and on until whenever I feel like it, it's going to be done traditionally with like traditional markers and paints and stuff like the cover for this book, I actually did in traditional marker.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So is marker a colored pencil and like acrylic marker? Because like at that point I was just like, I can't. I can't do another digital piece my brain was like kicking and screaming like no don't make me do it and as soon as I put (laughs) the marker on paper I was just like this feels so right like there's just a nice like tactile sensation of like feeling the actual marker on the page and feeling like all the pencils and stuff and the different textures as opposed to just like the same smooth pen over the same smooth screen over and over again like it just it just hits a good happy spot in my brain
0: and so this here, like the Kickstarter that we're looking at is, is the first five issues basically of, of the story. Is this like an entire arc? Is this a larger meta plot or is this an ongoing story that you're going to be following?
1: It's an ongoing story. I'm guessing by the time I'm done, I'm going to be like 87 years old and I'm going to be on like, <laughs> you know, it it's gonna be somewhere probably between like 50 to 70 issues because we follow these characters around for a long time. like a lot of things happen to them. There's also a lot of like backstory to explore because I do like doing like flashbacks and stuff. like each particular chapter, which is like a five issue chunk, kind of revolves around a particular character and it goes like into their backstory as far as like, all right, like how did they end up becoming the person they are in the present story, which is always really fun to explore. A lot of this is based off of real life, even though it's like a fantasy story. But basically, I like the concept of that, like, you're not the same person that you are in front of your friends versus like in front of your family versus in front of strangers. Like, and it's not a bad thing. It's just the way that people operate, where it's like, you know, you click a certain way with your family, you click a certain way with your friends, you like want to present yourself a certain way to strangers, you curate certain parts of yourself for like online And like a lot of Sacrimony explores that about the characters in terms of like, you know, this guy may be this way to his wife, but then, you know, he was like a hero to other people. He was like a hero for humanity. And like, you know, this is how he ended up being a hero and like just diving further and further back and seeing that, like, you know, even you're not the same person you were even like 20 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever, like people are always changing and the experiences shape the person that they become now. And like the present story.
0: Did you have the characters in mind first or did you have the world first?
1: I had the characters first and they, they sat around for a long time and they went through a lot of different like incarnations, like, you know, basically, you know, as a, a teenager or whatever, they're much more like darker, edgier. Everyone had like these gigantic swords. Cause that was like the cool thing to do back in the two thousands. And then like, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't come up with a comic back then because it would be completely different, but it they basically changed like as I grew and like got more worldly experience and stuff and how my own perspective changed and then they became what they are now. And then I started building the world around them. So the world was kind of the last thing to come together. Hmm. And yeah, it was just like, what what did the world need to be in order for these characters to be who they are now?
0: And so when you did the world building aspect, what part of it were you enjoyed doing and what part, of, what parts were you just, what were some of the things that you really loved doing and what were the things that you just chored on?
1: I hate map building. I still haven't <laughs> like come out with an official, official map, but like I have one just kind of like kicking around as a file on my computer that I will release eventually. But I think my problem is that I, with the map, that I overthink things. So I'm like, well, this has to be in, like, a temperate zone, and the temperate zone is, like, located, like, right in this little spot. Like, I because I want to go for realistic. I want to look like I know what I'm doing, even though I might not know what I'm doing. But uh, building the religion was also hard because I had to figure out the exact story of, like, how the world was created because, like, religion plays a huge part and the gods play a huge part and, you know, who takes credit for creating the world and stuff like that. And just figuring out, like, the system of the afterlife because that kind of played a role also because it's, like, if certain heroes die, then they get to become gods. And, like, what's that like? Like, what do they get to do? And, yeah, like, that that was probably the hardest part. And the governments are – they're kind of fun because it's, like, I get to play around with, like, different completely made-up cultures and, like, make these (laughs) – bizarre cultural standards like there's one particular race where it's like the more wealthy you are the more immobile you make yourself so it's like you know they they have like tons of fabric and like really super long nails and like these really high shoes and it's like you know the the point of that is to show like oh well I can pay other people to do everything for me and I can just sit around and you know look a certain way and like doing stuff like that is so fun and it's so stupid but I love it.
0: Now, because you did mention in a previous interview, too, is that you really, you really didn't like when you actually like the, the idea of like elves and dwarves are all in their own very stereotypical thing. And you love kind of turning that on its side by actually being a, a lot more, a lot more empathetic and proactive when it comes to different cultures as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, it's like. What I never really liked about the traditional fantasy was that it was really like, all right, well, like elves have to be a certain way. Dwarves have to be a certain way. And that's what like right. people come to expect. So like, I thought that if I just labeled everything like, oh, elves, dwarves, gnomes, whatever, like people would already have that like idea of what they should be in their heads. And like, that's, that's no fun for me. I would rather just make up something completely unexpected and just keep people guessing as to like, what these people are like and it's it's just another layer for people to like enjoy exploring when they right. start learning about all of these like bizarre cultures and stuff and i also tried really hard not to make any specific culture like mirror anything in real life because i mm. it's a slippery slope like i hate it like you know, even D&D was guilty of this where it's like, all right, well, this this race is like reminiscent of like Native American or African tribes. And oh, by the way, they have like negative two intelligence. and Like, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like, it's
1: it's really messed up. So I tried to avoid that, like the plague, because I it's it's not fun.
0: Right. So, like, you do have, and I, and when I, what I love what you do on your website as well is that you do kind of create like almost a, a little bit of a wiki, almost where you talk about like your your different months of the calendar and different races. Uh, how much do that? How much does that play into? from cuz you also love playing like the 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 D&D background you mentioned when you were talking about like the misadventures of buddy and friend which is uh, the idea of like you love what happens if you roll a 1 all the time in a sense like just making that really fun uh, do you have you ever thought about and you must have what am I talking about you must have thought about the idea of taking this world and seeing what it would look like in a role playing game module
1: that would be interesting that's that's kind of a dream of mine like right now actually for uh sacramony issue six i'm also releasing an encyclopedia of the world and like you know all the races and stuff which i kind of have been advertising as like you know the D player's handbook with without all of the boring rules so <laughs> it's like you get to learn about you know all of the the calendar months and the races and locations and stuff that i mentioned and there's also like a character bio section. I know I'm getting ahead of myself because this is like July me's problem, but I'm I'm super excited about it. And I hope that people are really excited about like my wacky world building.
0: Right. And so what are some of those aspects that you see that, you know, as we mentioned earlier about just like taking, like removing stereotypes from races in a way, what are some of the other things that you're incredibly proud of when it comes to the world building aspect of this?
1: Architecture. I- okay love architecture like i love designing like weird unexpected architecture where it's like like for example i wish i had uh, an example on the actual kickstarter page but like i have sort of you know the holiest headquarters which is supposed to be sort of like all right well it's basically the sacramony equivalent of the vatican but i made it like absolutely nothing like the vatican because i thought that it like that environment looks really sterile where it's just, like, white buildings and, right. you know, clean streets or whatever. So I did this this whole area with, like, these, like, elaborate, like, you know, gold and purple towers. And there's, like, plants cascading everywhere. And, like, it just looked really lush and alive. And I was, like, I love this part.
0: <laughs> I'm pulling up, like, looking at some of your... Your, your the covers you did are...
1: uh oh uh, if you go to oh man i can probably send you a link for the sacramony five campaign and there's actually the building that i'm talking about i'll put it in the chat and you can probably okay pull that up and scroll down
0: oh i'm I'm on the i i have it on here i pulled it up oh this uh, oh okay this is new yeah it's okay. for
1: the the single issues when i launched that back last year i think oh, okay. it's it's all a blur to me now but yeah it was uh the single issue campaign
0: okay let me pull that up
1: all of my ridiculous add-ons that i don't have this time around and i'm kind of glad because they make things very complicated <laughs>
0: All right, where is Uh,
1: Keep going, keep going. There we go. That's it. Yep. I love doing stuff like that. It takes forever and a half, but it's absolutely worth it.
0: And so you you mentioned as well as that there, how important is, how important is religion in this world that you've created? Because you do have it about, but based off of, you know, gods and goddesses.
1: Uh, Religion is really important. Like, I feel like in this particular world, it's hard to be an atheist or even an agnostic because the gods do actually directly interact with mortals in a way. Mm. They don't affect, like, daily activities or anything. It's not like, you know, a god's going to come down and punish you. But as far as, like, if they see a mortal that stands out particularly, they might choose them as, like, a champion and give them divine powers to kind of help them out a little and then if the champion fulfills their purpose, then they become a God. So it's like, and then when they become a God, the mortals are actually notified, like, hey, there's a new God. So it's hard for you to be like, oh, I don't believe in the gods when it's just like, you know, this big idol just drops out of nowhere. And it's like, hey, this is your new God.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about, like, what are some of the things that you learned also from previous Kickstarters that uh, whether it be, um tier levels or other things that you've noticed that like yeah do not whatever you do don't do this like what are some of the other things that or what are some of the the tier levels that you have seen being very successful that it's always good to do this
1: uh one thing i learned was do variant covers like my first campaign didn't have any variants uh my second didn't easily because i was just like Like, I love doing covers, but I always felt like, I don't know, like selling the same book with a different exclusive cover. Like, was it something that was really going to work for me? Like, I guess that'll work for mainstream comics because they have like big name artists or whatever. And like the Mm. the names alone will sell a cover. But like, it felt weird to me that it was just like, all right, well, it's just me doing the the coloring and everything. And I'm just doing multiple covers of my own. And like, yeah, like variant covers are cool
0: so i'm really curious as well as like how does this fit within the you know your your misadventures of buddy and friend how is are these obviously the 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 style is different are these world adjacent or is this just a different version of of sacramony
1: they're two completely different worlds so yeah like sacramony is my you know, my home brew set where I made up everything and the misadventures of buddy and friend is more like I rented an apartment from Tolkien, got completely wasted, trashed the place and he's not giving me my security deposit back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it just feels like you just really had a good time with it. Like you just had a really good time doing this one.
1: Yeah. Cause it's fun to like, take the stereotypical fantasy trope and just completely turn it on its head Mm -hmm. and that's that's what i love doing with the misadventures of buddy and friend like right off the bat you know there's that like stereotypical tavern brawl going on and it's like the the main character is supposed to be the hero that saves the day and everyone's like oh my god like thank you so much you saved us but like with this, everything just gets turned on its head. He ends up being the bad guy and he gets thrown in jail and then, like, has to do community service. And it's just, it becomes, like, this whole ordeal of, like... He he just keeps rolling ones, basically. <laughs> That's the best way to say it.
0: And and so, you know, so with this, is this almost like a... kind of like a break from the seriousness of Sacrimony? Do you, like, write this as a... Kind of as a re- as a mental release compared to what you do with sacramento.
1: It's like my own little personal Prozac. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sacramento. It's there's a lot of like different emotions in sacramento, but it does get like really heavy at times. So it's nice to have something that's like much more stress free to work on. Right. So yeah. like the style is simpler. The writing is a lot simpler. I don't need to like you know, fully engage all of my like sad feels emotions or anything. It's just like, you know, people smacking each other around, like people like that.
0: Right. The, the two styles are, are completely separate and the stars are just completely separate. Do you see those that seem to back that Kickstarter? Is it the same people that back Sacrimony or are you tapping into a, almost like a different readership?
1: It's a different readership. Like, there were some people from Sacrimony who followed me over to Buddy and Friend when I launched it earlier this year, but then I saw like this whole like onslaught of new backers that I've never seen before who are just here for this absolute fantasy nonsense. Right. So, you know, trying to get them to back Sacrimony, they're not particularly having it because they're there for the more like traditional fantasy feeling type thing and like to each their own. Like, right. as long as yeah. they enjoy Buddy and Friend, like, I'm cool with it.
0: <laughs> How are you being able to put your time in on this?
1: Luckily, Buddy and Friend is, like, a short series. It's, like, 20 yeah. issues at most. Right. So, I mean, at least I won't be working on that till I'm 87. But it's also, <laughs> it's a lot easier to draw. Like, I can definitely knock out a Buddy and Friend book in, like, less than a month. As yeah. opposed to like Sacrimony that usually takes me two or three months per book. Right. So it's like I, I alternate. So it's like work on one Sacramony book, finish that, then like knock out a Buddy and Friend book and then like go back to Sacrimony. So mm. I'm still figuring it out because I only launched Buddy and Friend this year. So I'll see how I manage. But I'm thinking like if I at least do like two Buddy and Friend books and like two Sacrimony books a year, like I'm good
0: do you write an entire script out and then kind of proofread it? And do you have somebody who kind of like line edits it or do you write it out? Then you just do the, and then you just, you know, describe the process of making say issue six of Sacrimony. How does that work?
1: Uh I am absolutely horrible at writing scripts. It's, <laughs> Because there's such a disconnect with like typing words on paper versus like what I actually need to do on the page. So it's like when I every time I've tried to make a script, it's just been like complete derailment as far as like, you know, how long a conversation can be reasonably before it's just like, you know, taking up too many pages. So I found out that the best way to do it was just to slap the actual dialogue on the comic page itself because I'm doing it digitally so I can just I can put the words there, figure out like how much room it takes up and then figure out how to edit based on like, all right, you know, if this conversation goes on for like more than three pages or whatever, that's like it's too long. Like no one's going to want to read this entire long drawn out conversation. So then like, you know, how do I chop it down? How do I make it like more easily digestible? Because it's really important to me for Sacrimony to make the reading like easy to digest easy to read easy to get through like i don't want somebody to be sitting there for like an hour trying to like figure out how to read like a 30 page book you know right like i i don't want to pretend to be like an intellectual and throw in like all of these dramatic monologues and soliloquies or whatever it is that people <laughs> use when they think that they're intellectual it's like i want the characters to feel like real people i want the conversations to feel real Right. I I just I want people to be able to read my book like
0: because
1: right. I think a lot of people actually get intimidated by the art because the art is so fancy like I, I don't mean to toot my own horn but like I, I do put in a lot of effort into making the art like you know look very polished look very fancy very like high end but like right I feel like it scares people because then they're like oh like this book must think so highly of itself like oh like It must be made by like an intellectual or something and it's like no i am like the lowest of the lowbrow kind of person (laughs) there is i yeah i just want it to feel real i want people to be able to read it and just be like all right i get this
0: were you do you see this as as well as at each each time that you come out with a new kickstarter and a new issue you bring on more readers for each one as well? Uh,
1: Yeah, luckily for the single issues, like every single issue that I released has gotten better and better. Like I started off as like, you know, a little baby creator with like Sacrimony one getting 98 backers, which I think is still super impressive for like having just kind of come out of nowhere basically. Right. And then, you know, Sacrimony, like the single issue five had ended with like 192 backers. Right. And, you know, between ceremony one and five, it was like I had like 121 backers and 132. Then it was like 154. And then there was like a jump to right. 192. And like, yeah, I know the trade paperback isn't going to get as many backers because there are people who are like, oh, well, I have like the five single issues already. I don't really need this. But like, right. you know, this is for the people who want like all of the story in one spot. It's like a good place for new readers to jump in. And also the the cover is just very nice i'm very proud of that cover i'm i'm so happy that i sold the original art like last week because i nice. had that as a reward i had the original pencils as a reward also and like that sold out on the second day and i'm like i'm creating art it actually feels like i'm creating art now
0: when i love that and here's the thing your your log line for this is fantastic a tale of love life and death in no particular order that is
1: Thank you. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, because a lot of it deals with, like, you know, characters dying or like the afterlife and stuff. So it's just like the in no particular order just felt so right to put.
0: Right. I love, you know, like in your style, especially this. It re- definitely reminds me of like the Art Nouveau style. Yes, it is. It is, very it much is such like a that.
1: huge influence. Like I love the Art Nouveau style. I love, right. like you know, the fact that they incorporate text and everything. Because I mean, like a lot of Art Nouveau stuff, like particularly like Mucha and stuff, was just like really fancy advertisements. So you'd see these like. Yeah elaborate drawings just for like cigars or like a bread or something. And right. like, <laughs> like, where, where is that now? Like, why don't we still have that?
0: I know. No, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. I love, I love the, the art nouveau style. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. So, so, so then, so, um, so Mata for those that want to learn more about um your work, where's the best place they could go to?
1: uh msourcier.com has is kind of like my hub for everything at the moment cuz the the webcomic site okay. is is around but there's not a lot on there right now since i decided to take the hiatus. Yeah, so there's like my my little gallery, little bio and then there's like links to my Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, the latest Kickstarter and an online shop in case like you missed out on past issues and want to catch up i should update that shop actually
0: you you will always have kickstarters coming out anyway so yeah they could always...
1: i pretty much live on kickstarter right now so even <laughs> if you go to like msourcier.com slash kickstarter it will just take you to my latest kickstarter and you can just like pick up my stuff there
0: right and those that missed this to make this a an evergreen podcast for those that want to um as you say what if you miss a kickstarter you'll probably you won't be get you know, there'll be some very specific things you could get out of kickstarter but the book itself the, ma- the main books that you would be having they could probably buy through yep. uh you shop
1: yeah okay. mstarca.com shop
0: right perfect cool all
1: right well thank you very much
0: you. yeah you're welcome
1: art and writing department, because I second-guessed myself a lot. Can you hear my cat? He is just very loud and belligerent right now, and I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's just... Anyway, he completely derailed my train of thought. But yeah, it was just like... I.